Okay, freaks, this is the guide to your psychopath. This podcast is not about me telling you how you're fucked up. I'm here to learn about your past and how it affects your decision making. I've been studying people for a long time now, but I've never asked them about how their mind goes through the process. I want to read your guide. I want to know how you think and feel. This will not be edited to take snippets out of context, but I believe everyone will benefit from hearing all of the conversation. Learning your guide will make it better for me to understand you. Welcome to the Guide to Your Psychopath. Today, we have Tony, Tom, and Dave, and we're going to talk about music. So, I would want, or I would like to get to a little bit of history behind what you guys uh, have with music. All right, if that's okay with you guys. Individually? Yeah, individually. Okay. So, uh, for you, uh, Tony. Yeah? When did you learn that music was a big part of your life? Um, probably when I was about 10 or 12. I got a, an Elton John record for Christmas. Okay. And a stereo. And, um... Well, actually, before that even, I was about eight, and I, I started taking piano lessons. Oh, piano lessons. And I took them for about four years, but um, we kind of took over as uh, a priority. So after about four years of piano... Um, Did you get good at it wasn't, piano? No, nah, I, I was okay. okay. I was okay. Um, but it, learned, it taught me how to read music. Oh. I, learned, I learned a lot of the fundamentals about music, yeah. and it helped me in later years. Um when I started playing guitar more um, um, passionately. Yeah. Um, but when then, did you start playing guitar? Uh, I started playing guitar in 1983. I was on board the USS Carl Benson. Oh, that's right. And there was two guys in my shop. Uh, I was an IWT shop, and there was two guys who played guitar. One named uh, Brian Finley and Bill Stenner. Bill was like a walking jukebox. Um, he could sing, he sang all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And Brian was like the player. And the two of them sounded great together. Really? And they had a third guitar, um, a little Fender acoustic, and I, um, uh, I coaxed them into teaching me some chords. I said, you know, this was just sitting there and I'm like, I picked it up and noodled around on it and I said, uh, uh, me. teach me. And so they taught me chords and. And I became obsessed with guitar really? from 1983 till the early 90s, um, really. And then, then I kind of it kind of fell out of favor with me for a while. But um, I um, I was obsessed with it. Everywhere, I, every every minute I had, I, I would play my guitar. I'd be sitting in a ladder well. Somebody say, "Hey, can I play your guitar?" Uh, yeah, only if you show me something. Uh, so they would show me something, and I, you know, I'd learn "Dust in the Wind," or I'd learn how to play. You know, the very first song, the very first song I ever learned was uh, "Needle in the Damage Done" by, by uh, Neil Young. Neil Young. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and and it was just kind of off to the races. But I, I can't sing, so uh, I became really interested in like instrumental guitar music, mm. and uh, I went to after that tour in the Navy. I went to Memphis, Millington for school, and there was a guitar academy there called uh, Howard Vance Guitar Academy, and I went there to take lessons. And my teacher, I forgot his name, um, taught me some things like, 
I learned how to play uh, Time in the Bottle, and you know, I first learned Mood for a Day because I was really into finger picking. Mm-hmm. I love finger style music, Leo Kotke, you know, bluegrassy kind of finger picking stuff. I loved it, acoustic. And uh, and he took me to a classical guitar recital. Uh, the guy's name was Marcelo Kayeth, and I was just blown away. He was uh, it was just the most coolest stuff I'd ever seen or heard from a guitar player. And it was all this Brazilian music and and Spanish music and Baroque music, you know, Bach and all that. I mean, and it was just great. And so I wanted to learn that. Mm. And I was obsessed with classical guitar. From 1985 to 1992, probably, that stage of my life was all about classical guitar. I took, I moved here. Um, I found a guitar player, a teacher in Fresno named Ruben Delgado, yeah. and I studied with him for a couple of years. We did some, some recitals, then I moved to San Diego in 92, no, 89, sorry, and I found a teacher down there to learn from, and then I started developing problems with my right hand. Um, kind of a carpal tunnel thing, but it was like a focal dystonia is what it's called, where my fingers would not respond the way they should respond. So I got really frustrated and I gave it up. And then a few years later, I decided um, I missed playing guitar. You don't have to play with your fingers. You could use a pick. So I put it down. I, I, I started playing guitar again. Well, with um, the pick this time. With, but I just started using the pick because my, my fingers don't, I don't finger pick very well anymore. But, uh, um, but as far as my drumming um, time, I played drums for about a year and a half, two years before I joined the Navy, and then kind of hard to carry a drum kit around on an aircraft carrier. So, but I always, you know, music's always been, I mean, I, all through high school and all through my, you know, teens and early 20s, uh, music's just always, it's been a constant, you know, in yeah. my life. And I always listening, always obsessed with, with music, even even music history, you know, I like, you know, I always, now that I saw the movie School of Rock, I'm like, I could have been that guy. <laughs> I could be Jack Black teaching School of Rock. That'd be my, my dream job right there. Uh, I love everything about it. The history, who, who played what, who wrote what, and all, all that stuff. Um, but the drumming um, began about two years before I joined the Navy. Then I quit for almost 27 years. I was, um, and my wife actually encouraged me to start drumming again. Uh, in 2004, and so I bought a kit, started drumming, then the guitar went to the side. So I hardly, hardly touched my guitar for years, Yeah. And because uh, I was all about learning drums again, and um, had my first band I was ever in, was in 2005 on the Nimitz, um, I was 45 years old, my first time I ever played in a band, but that was like a, like a bucket list dream, you know, to play in a band. Was and it everything then, you thought and then it I would be? Oh yeah, it was, I mean, it was exhilarating. And I mean, our first gig was in Bahrain at the Dome. Um, and there was like a thousand freaking people there. Um, you know, you're a captive audience. Everybody's drunk, beer garden. Yeah. You know, and everybody's like, you know, the show's over. Senior, I didn't know you played drums. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled it off. So anyway, and then, then drums has been my... my um, my constant obsession since then. 
guitar really has taken a side side show. Yeah. Uh, I I pick it up once in a while now, but now with the, the acoustic thing that we talked about earlier that I'm doing with Matt, um, I'm trying to get back into it. Yeah. So that's quick and dirty. <laughs> Tom, how about you? When do you think uh, music became a big part of your life? Probably around five or six years old. Uh, not uh, instrumentally, but music. You know, my mom turned me on to the Beatles when I was young, and we listened to the White Album till it was brown. <laughs> you know, uh, it was all scratched. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, there was other bands that influenced me back in the days uh, when you know I was listening to what she had. And this is a long, long time ago when I was a little kid, but she listened to the band and a bunch of other bands. Um, I mean, some crazy songs and some really good ones. Uh, as, as I got older, my mom and dad separated. I was with my father for a lot of time, so he listened to a lot of Merle Haggard. He was country. They didn't belong together, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but uh, I didn't realize that when I was a young kid, so I was always acting out, you know. It was terrible for me. But uh, the older I got, the more I listened to different things, you know, and, and there was so, just so much at my time frame coming up as a kid. There was just so many good bands. I mean, God, you, you, uh, you listen to, you listen to um, one day you listen to something and there's a, another band you've never heard before, and bam, you're listening to that. It's just, it's just crazy back then how good the music was to me. You know, but that that's probably because it was my time. I'm sure there's a lot coming out, you know, right now, but I just don't, I, I can't listen to a lot of the newer stuff. It's hard for me to. It just really is. There's a lot of talent, though. There's a lot of talent. I, I look at it as a problem with soul. Mm. Uh, that That's how I look at it. it. And that's just my opinion. I agree. But, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I really don't know what to say. It's, it's. It's been band after band after band. I, I remember when I was a kid in art school, um, I did uh, I did Cat Scratch Fever, the backside of it. I, I drew it out. It was a picture of uh, Ted Nugent screaming, you know. And uh, I, I got put in the uh, the Museum of Fine Arts in Houston, and somebody stole it. No, yeah, really? They actually stole it. Uh, but I was really into Ted. Mm -hmm. That was my first concert. Yeah, I talked to you about that. Yeah. Nugent. It was, we'll uh, it was uh, Def Leppard's first tour. And they, they were doing On Through the Night, and they opened the show. Back then, things were really different because you didn't have three different setups on a stage for three bands. It was all one. So it, it takes an hour, hour and a half to tear that down and put the, new, the other band up. So Def Leppard came out first. The Scorpions were on either Animal Magnetism or Blackout. I can't remember which one it was. It was in 1978. I think it was 78. Yeah. Yeah. Love Drive? It may have been Love Drive. I'm not sure. But I, I remember hearing the zoo. I remember hearing <laughs> play that, and that's the one I liked the most. And built. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Ted came out after them. Uh, it was Scream Dream. I saw Nugent yeah. and Scorpions together. Yeah, yeah. And ACDC. Yeah, on yeah. The Highway to Hell tour. Yeah, yeah. So during your times of turmoil when you were young, did you ever drown yourself in music? Pretty much. As a matter of fact, I got grounded a lot. Because <laughs> I'd go fishing at midnight. <laughs> yeah. I'd sneak out the window and go with a friend of mine 
to do some fishing at the bay in Galveston. So, always fine. Yeah. Always fine. But I got caught. Uh, my brothers let me down. My stepbrother and my brother let me down. I, I had a dummy in the bed, and my, my stepmother came in, and she found out that it wasn't me. <laughs> so, they're like, they didn't know what to say. It was my fault. I know. But my dad whipped my ass for that one. And I deserved it. But you would be in your room just listening to wherever. Oh, yeah. I, I had... I, I lived in a trailer, and in, in our room, me and my brother lived in a six-by-six six or maybe a little bit bigger, and the closet was on top of, it, it's built into the trailer, so there's like six drawers going down this way, and inside there's a, a closet that you hang all your clothes in. Well, I'd move everything to the side and put the speakers, the realistic speakers, on one on this side and one on this side, and just lay in between them. Oh. Yeah, that was it. Oh, shit. I was in my spot. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in my bedroom listening to music too. Hell yeah. I I, I was grounded a lot too. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I remember my room. I remember on A track uh getting Led Zeppelin A to Z one year and recording the whole thing on A track. And the next year into the outdoor came out. <laughs> so I did it all over again. <laughs> It was cool, though. It was really cool. It, I mean, back in those days, you didn't pick the needle up. You just let it all play. Yeah. So, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Albums were made for that reason. Absolutely. Because for one, it's hard to find the song. Mm-hmm. So you just play from start to finish, flip it over, play it start, start to finish. Yeah. I do that now. And me I play too. records all the time. Now. I'm a big, uh, big fan of that. Because yep, yep. the artist created the album and a lot of times it's a story and if you don't listen to it from the beginning to the end you're missing the part of the yeah. story absolutely yeah. absolutely now's the day of the downloads and the mp3s and all you gotta do is throw out one it's or a two single. songs it's and a single yeah. and you get the single home of the yeah. single now yeah album rock is something that we grew up with absolutely it's kind of a lost art you think we don't uh, get the full story of what the artists in, or the artists are trying to tell us I think I think not. I mean, I, I think, like, like Dave said, you know, you have to sometimes, like Dark Side of the Moon, you, if you really want to get, you know, you can listen to individual tracks, sure, and enjoy it, but to get the whole impact of that album, you put the needle down and you just let it go. And yeah. There's a continuity from one song to another. And um, with if, with the singles and the downloads, it's, they're, they're they can be, and, and there's no, there's nothing wrong with diversity. You know, one song's going to be completely different and not related to the other one. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. But I like I like album rock, just putting the needle down and, and letting it go, and, and every song flows into each other. Mm. It was so. a big thing back in the '60s. There was a lot of bands that were experimenting with the concept of uh, uh, rock opera. Yeah. Mm. Essentially, the whole album was all everything was related on the album, and it told a story. It was like a show. You know, there were several bands. There was even a band called Rock Opera that I ran into when I was a kid back in Fort Worth. But uh, The Who did it. The Pink did Floyd it did it. Yeah. 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 A lot of bands did that. And if you listen, uh, The Tubes, they had a couple of albums that were all everything was linked together. And it was, if you listen to all the songs and you get the whole story, yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a story created by it. Just Jethro Tall, the whole walk yeah. along is, yeah. is the concept from start to finish. Yeah. Hmm. And kids nowadays miss that because all they get is whatever the radio plays or whatever the hot new single is. Like yeah. I said, it's all digital, so you ain't got to drop a needle anymore. It's yeah. all pick a song. There's not patience. There's not the patience that we that we had. Mm -hmm. Maybe that maybe they're not stoned enough. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we had the patience to throw a needle on and, and just 
Oh, we had nothing Let else to do. in, you know, 23 minutes or for 24 minutes, you know, one song to the next. And we didn't and have, we didn't have the internet and YouTube and Twitter and nothing like else to switch. distract the shit out of the I don't game. like it, I can switch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it, click, you know. And now I mean, to, to change the needle or to change the record, you got to pick up the needle and find the spot, you know, just yeah. let it go. Yeah, you have more time to think about things. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. You can't think anymore. The phone's doing it for you. Yeah. <laughs> Spelling, your math. Yeah. When did uh, music become a big part of your life, Dave? All right, so we're talking about our histories. Uh, when I was very young, eight, nine years old, uh, my mom and dad were country, old school country, you know, Conway Twitty and you know, Merle Haggard and stuff like that which I enjoyed, and I had, uh, all my relatives were all country, were in Texas, and, you know, old uh, Bob Wills and Texas Playboys and stuff like that. My uncle was a guitar player, violin player, and I loved that kind of music. And that's what I started out with and what I grew up with, and then a friend of mine introduced me to Kiss, which Whoa. was, right on. not to say that there wasn't other, you know, there was uh, Crimson and Clover and all those songs like that that were popular back then, but, but uh, when I got into Kiss, it was a whole new world. And at that point, at that age, we were we would get together and pretend we were members of the band, you know. I'm, and I always wanted to be Peter Chris. I'm 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 the drummer, at this point. Yeah. You know, and everybody else is. You know, we're doing our little enactment of a Kiss show. Uh, really got into that, and my mother and father separated when I was ten. We wound up. My mother and I wound up living next door to a guitar teacher, a guy named Earl Clyde. Uh, had a little place, it was a house, but it was, he would give guitar lessons and what have you. So I conned my mom into paying for guitar lessons, and I went over and took lessons for a little while, not very long, because he wanted to teach me music, and I just wanted to learn to play rock and roll. Just <laughs> didn't see the connection between the two at the time, because, <laughs> you know, he was over <laughs> trying to teach later, me, though. yeah, he was trying to teach me scales and, you know, all that yeah. Silly stuff, jazz, Start and all those from things. The beginning. All I wanted to do was go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyways, my mom managed to get a uh, a Les Paul copy. I think it was probably uh, probably an Ibanez or something like that. But it came from a warehouse fire, so it was partially burnt. So she cool. got it super cheap. <laughs> and I actually took the end of it, sanded it out, put uh, wood putty in it, and shit, painted over it to make it look okay. And that was my my first guitar. And I learned how to play. Power chords, which was, you know, that was the intro into the world of hard rock and, uh, you know, basically just three notes together, but it makes that sound that's so popular in rock and roll. The uh, rest of the chords I had no clue about at the time, <laughs> but I could go, <laughs> I was happy. So, uh, and then from then, I just taught myself. I met a lot of people along the way, and uh, like he said before, you know, you want to play my guitar, well, you got to show me something. So there was a lot of getting together with people and trading licks and I'd teach them what I knew and they'd teach, teach me what they knew and over time I developed a little bit of ability at it. Um, I never really got into the theory and music as much and reading music and stuff like that when I was young, more so now. But uh, From then I went on, I wound up joining a band. I was 15, 16 playing in clubs. <laughs> Because back then in Texas, they were pretty damn lenient <laughs> about shit like that. What kind of music were you guys playing? Rock and roll. I mean, we were doing like Van Halen and, uh, I don't know, Sammy Hagar, uh, Ted Nugent, of course, yeah. plenty of that. And NZZ Top. We couldn't miss NZZ Top because no, they were homeboys. They were from right there from our area. They used to do shows at uh, the park 
there in Fort Worth for free a long, long time ago. Um, so, yeah, got into that. and Then I got involved with the sound business, the other end of the music thing, which was doing the sound and lights and all that, and I went to work for a company called Murray Hill Sound. It was a 35-year-old uh, spoiled brat who his father owned a bunch of cleaners, so <laughs> apparently he decided he wanted to do sound and lights. Didn't drink a lot of alcohol because he did a lot of that. Um, and 16. 16. So at age of 16, I'm working for a sound company. We're traveling to Oklahoma and all over doing moderately good-sized shows. I mean, some of the bands we did, like the Gap Band, Zap Band, Barkays. Uh, we did some shit with Willie Nelson. We did uh, Bobby Blue Bland, Shaka Khan, all kinds of weird shit. And I usually got stuck doing the monitor mix, which is the least favorite thing to do in a sound world. Uh, so I did that for quite a while, and then eventually wanted to join the Navy. And yeah, I look back, I kind of regret that I didn't stick in the business more instead of going naval aviation and all that. Uh, for example, one of my friends at the time was a guy named uh, Daryl Abbott. He was a guitar player, very, very good guitar player, and he would shop, stop by the the business there where I worked at, Murray Hill Sound, and I had a, a repair shop in the back. He'd bring his amp in, and we'd tweak it and do things because he didn't want people to see how he was getting a sound, so he would hide an EQ in the back of his amp and had it wired in so he could get the certain sound he was looking for, and people couldn't see what he was doing. Well, they people mostly know of him now as Dimebag Daryl, who was a member of Pantera, who passed away a few years ago, but he was uh, an amazing heavy metal guitar player. Really super, super nice guy, too. He's, yeah, so who knows? If I had not joined the Navy, I might have been touring with those guys because they became famous about a couple of years after I joined the Navy. So, Do you ever wonder about uh, what's better, vinyl or a track? That one's you guys? <laughs> I'm a vinyl guy. Vinyl. I'm a vinyl guy, yeah. The analog sound of vinyl is just... I, I even like to look, not excessively, but I, I like the little crackle and pop. Yeah. You know, you know that you hear on a vinyl. But just There's something about the analog quality of sound from vinyl that I just... A track was not a good thing. No, a track, you're in the middle of a song and all of a sudden it has to flip over to yeah. the other side of him. Yeah. Because uh, that's where the next... Step. They were very convenient. Yeah, they were, they were very convenient. convenient. Sound quality. Real to real was was the way to go at the time. Yeah, yes. real to real was, was the way to go. My dad had a real to real. Yeah. And played a lot of stuff on on his real real. Yeah, those sounded great. But vinyl, yeah. I'm a vinyl. Can't beat vinyl. Yeah. Vinyl's making a big comeback. Right it is making a comeback. Yeah. It is. I Actually, think, uh, somebody told me that vinyl making or uh, has more sales than CDs right now. I don't, I don't doubt it. Yeah. Well, nobody has it. Nobody uses CDs anymore. No, nobody no. uses CDs. It's, now it's either MP3, digital download or vinyl. Or vinyl. <laughs> yeah. um, a lot of bands are putting their their music. Go to you know, I don't vinyl. Go to Best Buy. Go to Target. Go to there's a store. Uh, Walmart used to be Rasputin's. Now it's yeah. Mad Monks. Mad Monks. Now it's called Mad Monks. They've actually expanded. Have you been up there? Not yet. I gotta In go. In Fresno, there's a store called Mad Monks. It used to be a. It used to be Tower Records. <laughs> it used to be Tower Tower Records back when Tower was king. Yeah. And then it Tower folded, and then Rasputin's took it over. That's where I got years later. That's where you got that shirt, yeah. right on. Yeah. Um, but they have a huge record selection, and there's yep. all kinds of new music or old music being re-released. 
on a 180-gram, big, <laughs> heavy-duty vinyl disc now. Uh, I, I buy them. Yeah. I buy some vinyl. Yeah. Now, there's something special about vinyl. Mm -hmm. One thing, you get that nice big cover with the pictures and everything on it. Package. You don't yeah. get that from an MP3. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I missed that. Back in my day, I mean, I, I would throw a record on and I would study the album. That's I mean, right. I just I want to know who every member of the band is. I even like to know who. It it told you what part they played in. It told you a brief who wrote uh, what on the on the song itself. Credits, yeah. credits, the lyrics, lyrics right? credits. Yeah. You know, you have all that. That was back when bands still were a major part of their music. Absolutely. Whereas nowadays. Record company owns everything, and bands are lucky they get anything out of it. Yeah. yeah. Outside of live performances, they don't make a whole lot of money out of it anymore. They've been doing that for a long time, though. Since yeah. like, well, yeah, music business has been the, the business side of music is is horrible thing. It always has been. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's it's never been a good thing. Artists rarely ever get what they're due. There's a, it's gotten worse. There's a lot of classic yeah, songs worse. written yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, Boston. Death Stop. on Two Legs by Queen was about getting <laughs> screwed over. The writ yeah. by Black Sabbath. Was Boston just, stopped yeah. playing. They they literally stopped playing because they had a dispute with the record company. Yes. Yeah. Prince changed changed his name to Ars, I don't know freaking name anymore. Yeah. A lot of people had major issues with record companies. When uh, Kiss came out, they were. A bit of a innovators, right? Because uh, nobody had ever done what they were doing before. Kiss is an interesting band, and That's I, what I was, was going to say Kiss is an interesting yeah. band because, especially if you listen to their interviews and everything, and understand their mindset as to what they were doing. Obviously, dressing up in makeup and everything and looking weird got attention. That was a huge yeah. part of it. Uh, but it wasn't new. But it wasn't the only thing. They also they also looked at it as. It, uh, Paul Stanley said in an interview one time that he went to a show, he paid good money, and he was disappointed because it was a bunch of people up there in their regular clothes standing around playing music. Yeah. And he said, that was cool and all, but I could have listened to that at home. Whereas, so he made it, a, they made it a point when they developed Kiss to put on the biggest show they show. could. Yeah. The lights, those explosives, mm -hmm. the makeup, the costumes, it was just, it was a show, show. Mm -hmm. You went there to see something interesting, Spectacle. not just some guy standing there on stage. It's an experience yeah. to see Kiss Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of bands that have, you know, Alice Cooper, uh, Guar, yeah. which most yeah. people don't know about. But, Cooper. But, Alice uh, Cooper's the one who... I've uh, seen Guar. Yep. Before the head off of bat or something? No, that's, no. you're talking Osborne. Yeah. Oh, that that's a whole other, That's yeah. a long story in of itself. A bat, a dove first and then a bat. Really? It had rabies. <laughs> he did it in front of a whole bunch of record executives. So him yeah. and his wife were at some promotional yeah. meeting and... And and they thought it would be how great it would be to throw these doves in the air and you know release these yeah. doves and one of them landed in front of Oxy. <laughs> he grabbed it and bit the head and literally bit the bit the head off of it. Live there's, there's pictures of him with blood dripping down his yep. cheek and that's more so he showmanship, did it. right? Huh? That, that's that's more showmanship. Half, half no. showmanship, half crazy. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> half I've had too much. I mean, Alice Cooper had the whole chicken incident. Uh, yeah. People threw a live chicken up on stage one time, and he 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 he, he talked about it in one of his interviews. But he was in Detroit, and and uh, he's from Detroit. Well, he might not have been in Detroit, but he's from Detroit. But he uh, um, he thought it's a bird; it should fly. 
and he threw it out in the audience, and the audience just ripped it to shreds. <laughs> There's a video of him actually throwing it out, and he thought it would fly, and it went into the audience, and they tore it to pieces. Ooh. Now, he didn't do it, but he threw it into the audience, so he was bastardized for it. Yeah. Did you... Have you ever seen uh, the crowds getting into uh, the rock and roll like that before, uh, like Kiss or Ozzy Osbourne or any one of those? Who do you, who do you think was the, the band that did it the best to get the crowd involved? Beatles. The Beatles? That's hard to argue with that. I mean, <laughs> girls wet themselves yeah. <laughs> watching them play. So yeah. crowds went absolutely insane when the Beatles showed up. They had to stop it. playing because or playing live because of it. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't even hear themselves because of the screaming. The PA's back there were so shitty. Oh, they couldn't even hear themselves. Yeah, that was actually a big story about that when they did their first show in the U.S. The uh, music has always had a strong impact on people. The rhythm and all that sort of thing. I mean, you look long before what we think of as modern music, guitars and keyboards and things of that nature, but drums and whatever, you know, African tribes dancing, you know, it's, the music is one of the things that brings humanity together. Uh, two things, the two things that'll bring people together more than anything else is music and food. Oh, yeah. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah. 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 Everybody my, loves my to eat. two favorite topics to the discussion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it bridges culture and everything else. It's, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, Kiss definitely put on amazing shows, and they definitely got a tremendous amount of involvement. And then, of course, you have Gene Simmons, who was a financial uh, wizard, wizard, and kind of an able too, but at times. Uh, but he took advantage of all that. Man, you, you name any kind of product you could possibly sell to a kid, and they were selling it. And they had the Chris, the Kiss Army. All he the revolutionized merchandising. Oh yeah, he, long Gene before, well, Kiss in general, but Gene and that whole thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. They proved how much money could be made out of this stuff, and back when bands actually made money off of that stuff, before record companies yeah. took it all over, and you got your little one percent. But <laughs> yeah, but, I remember seeing. I've seen Kiss twice in my life, and I, I didn't see crowds going insane like they did with the Beatles and some of the. No. You know, I've been to a lot of metal concerts and and the mosh pits and stuff like that, and you know the heavy metal bands can get get the crowds worked up. Yeah, you know. Um, this band called Lamb of God used to have this thing, yeah. they called it like the Wall of Death or something like that, or something like that effect. And the lead singer, Randy Blythe, would literally part the crowd, you know, I want all you motherfuckers over here, you? you know, and and he would have them just almost like like a Viking battle, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, one big mosh pit. You know, and people got hurt, so they actually got sued, and, and they had to stop doing it. I believe that's at least that's the story I saw on the internet. It couldn't possibly, couldn't possibly be, couldn't Probably possibly be the fault of the people in the mosh pit for getting hurt. No, it's got to be the band. I went to a Slipknot concert, and. Um, that was probably the craziest crowd that I was ever in the middle of, and I had to get out of it. Really? Well, I was 50-some years old, and I'm like, and I went to a show, I uh, took my son, Justin, and a bunch of us went, and a friend of mine took his wife, and his first, her first concert ever, and we went to see Slipknot and Lamb of God, and <laughs> Great choice. somebody else, yeah, I know, right? 
And we literally, you know, got ourselves pretty close, not right up to the stage, but pretty close. And as soon as Slipknot hit the, you know, started, it was just that whole crowd was like this one big compact thing that just, you know, you couldn't move because, you know, you were just sure, surrounded, sure. you know. And I'm like, oh my God, my back's starting to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get out of this, you know. And, I, and I'm a, you know, I'm a pretty good metalhead, but that, that, that was too much for me. And so I backed out and I looked at her and she had this fear of death in her, her eyes. She was like, you know, 10 people over from me. I looked over and Cindy. I'm like, you want to get out of here? <laughs> yeah. She was frightened to death. And so I took her, I, I said, oh, can I take your wife out of this? And she's like, yeah. Because they were younger than me and they were, they kept going. But, Having a good time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had a great time, but I went back about 25, 30 feet. I could still see the band great, and I could breathe, yeah. and it was great. Mosh pits Slip have done. Mosh pits have gone through an evolution since they yeah. were first introduced in the early days. Mosh pits. What do you think they were first introduced? Oh, it's way back. That punk. Punk. Yeah, all yeah. the way back in the. I don't know. Eighties. Early eighties, even late. Late seventies, I would think. Yeah, late seventies. Well, look at so much watch videos of punk bands. Yeah, Sex Pistols. It's kind of where it came from. Although it wasn't called really called Mosh at that time, but they. Mm-hmm. No, but that's but still, it, still the same same, same concept. But in the beginning, bashing it. It was a cooperative thing. Everybody went out and they had a good time. And if somebody fell down, you helped them up. Yeah. You didn't try to hurt nobody. Yeah. But it evolved over time. Then you had the emo kids get involved, and they're out there just slinging their arms around as fast as they can. Oh, yeah. They don't Wait, care who they hit. That's you a good thing with like ska or something yeah. like that, right? You get the yeah. you get so the skinheads get involved. Ska's like reggae punk, yeah, kind of kind of like a reggae punk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they were throwing. I've been to a couple of their concerts and they've thrown like elbows, trying. Yeah, to they, like he was like he was saying, like Dave was saying, you know, they they flail their arms. I've seen a lot of mosh pits and they'll form right next to me and I get the hell out of there because yeah. like, hi, yeah, <laughs> and they but. There's a little bit of a community in there as well, but they just they just they circle and they they look like they're ready to kill somebody, but they're not. You yeah. know, they're just really into the music, except for the skinheads. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they actually do want to hurt somebody. Yeah, they do, and they don't care if they get killed doing it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is the evolution of you get these other groups yeah. that get in there that don't respect the uh, the helpful nature of a normal mosh pit, and then they won't just want to hurt people. Yeah. When did ACDC come in? No. Around the same time, or of uh, like I was a kid. They started um, in the mid seventies. Yeah, yeah, it was middle seventies, around 73, 74 They were time frame. They weren't as popular in the states as they were in other places, but Not at first. their their big album that hit the states that I remember was Highway to Hell. Yeah. And that was the last album that, that was Bon the, Scott was on. Yep. Which really disappointed me because I was a huge fan of Bon Scott. And then they followed up with Back in Black, which yeah. which was, was huge. a huge commercial success. Absolutely. One of the selling record, rock records of all time. Yes. Yeah. Up there with Guns N' Roses. I, I think it's number two, actually. Probably. Yeah. What's number one? Thriller. No. Was. No. Not anymore. No. Eagles. Thank you. Yes. Eagles, greatest hits. Greatest hits. Yes. I 71 have. to 75. Blue one. I, I, yeah. ACDC came out. That one up there on the wall. Yes. That's that's the greatest selling rock Album band album history. of all time. Oh, Better than Thriller, Tyler the Thriller, Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction's up there as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not as much as that, or I don't Dark, think Back in Black's higher than that one. Dark Side of the Moon. Dark Side yeah. of the Moon's pretty heavy. 
13 years on the top 100. That's the one that has the set a record for the most times, the longest period on the billboard charts. Yeah. ACDC may have been come back in like the 2000s, right? Yeah. Yeah. They came out with Black Ice in like 2005 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. They made a good comeback. Yeah. And then it started being as a soundtrack of the movies and like uh, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Uh, Iron Man movies. Yeah. yeah, they had a lot of the the, the songs were old. They're older songs, yeah. you know. But like Who Made Who and stuff like that. Yeah. But Last Action Hero. Huh. Last Action Hero. Remember when the 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 mini discs came out? Yeah. That's when Schwarzenegger plugged in, and it was. It was uh, it was their new album, ACDC's new album. Oh, it was. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I can't remember the song that it was, but it was good. What you, what year was that? <sighs> I can't remember. All, all I know is, Je- uh, Schlater was, was going in the two thousands. No, no, no. It was the nineties. Yeah, it was nineties. That might have been the Razor's Edge. Yeah, it may have been. It may have been, but it was. It got everybody pumped up to watch the movie. Just him throwing that in there and going down the road. Yeah. It was a badass song, and I cannot remember which one it was. I saw ACDC in 79 mm. on their Highway to Hell tour. Yeah. Like three months before Bon Scott died. Yeah. Um, it was fantastic. I have a great memory. My best memory is when Angus got on top of, uh, of Bon's Brian, shoulders, Brian, and he went out yeah. in the crowd, and yeah. he was just doing his thing. And, I mean, it was just not. His head was just. He oh, started yeah. a headbanging thing. I mean, it was. Yeah. It was like nonstop. Like, how the hell do you do that? And then I started doing it. I'm like, okay, I see how to do it. <laughs> I can do that too. I did a lot of headbanging in my day. Corn does that a lot too. Corn does a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They see them five times. Mm-hmm. I've seen them like five times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're a great man lot. Better than Rush? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go me like that. <laughs> oh, that was like a punch out side of We're going to do a podcast yeah. alone on Rush. <laughs> I love corn. Corn was one yeah, of my, I do too. One of my I do too. favorite, like I guess they call it new metal. I don't know what they call it. Yeah. One of my favorite corn. <laughs> I I didn't corn. listen to them very much until I got your MP3 player. Yeah. And I started just I just those few songs make me want to hear more. Oh corn. yeah. It really does. Especially the early stuff. Their later yeah. stuff they started changing a little bit. Yeah. And then now recently the some of the stuff that just Jonathan Davis is kind of I guess going back to what he. I think so. I haven't listened to their later their later music. I, I'm like you. I like I like the. They kind of went uh, dubstep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, kind of whatever. But, that transistor. Uh, yeah, transistor. Really <laughs> yeah, but they're great live because they live. They. It's a show. I saw them just before. Uh, just before the pandemic hit. Yeah. It was Corn uh, and Breaking Benjamin. Yeah. And I took Sam, my son Sam, to it, and uh, and he had a blast. But that, yeah, they're they're a great band live. They yeah. really are. Have very. Very intense. They do a lot of covers too. I love the, some their cover of uh, Metallica's one. Oh, I haven't heard that. Whoa. Oh, badass, bro. When Corn covers Metallica's one. Really? I have to look badass. that up. Badass. I have to look that up. Have you ever heard it? I think I have. Okay. On, I think I've heard it on the high school radio station. Oh, really? Yeah. They play a lot of really good stuff in Lamar's high that. school. I've heard that. I was, I, was, I was on my way home one day, and this, this just tripped me out. And I pulled into the my my driveway, and I was listening to a Rush song, and I can't remember which one it was, but I said that's not Rush. 
That's not what? It's not Rush. Oh, so, so I kept Rush? listening. Yeah, I kept, I kept listening to it and listening to it. It was Primus. Oh. And they're really good at it. They went on a tour after Neil died. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Farewell to Kings tribute. Yes, it was awesome. Was it off Farewell to Kings? Yeah. I was listening to it and listening Damn. to it. Like, I, I, I couldn't. It, it was something that had a lot of instrumental because I would have I known his voice anywhere. Yeah. And, and I just heard the music and I heard the music and I just sat there in my driveway <laughs> for about a half an hour. Yeah. It was a bunch of different songs, but oh. it was instrumentals. And I, and I can't remember exactly which ones they were doing now, but yeah. back then I was just stuck. I couldn't go nowhere. I had to hear. Yeah, and, I and just it was listened. Primus. Yes, Primus. I'm not a Primus fan. Yeah. I mean, I respect the talent. Mm-hmm. I mean, Les Claypool is an amazing yes. musician, a great yeah. bass player. I mean, his, yeah. he's innovative and he's very unique. But their, their songs don't necessarily do it for me. Right. They, but, I, but I respect them as musicians. They, I, I do like them. Oh, I love, I love Primus. They, uh, they do metal, but in a different way Very than different. what everybody yeah, else does. They yes. do. They do their yeah, own correct. thing. Yeah, they do. Yeah. I just, I couldn't, I never got on the Primus yeah. bandwagon. Not necessarily a bandwagon, but the, the I, Primus thing. I had to because I was a South Park fan. So. <laughs> <laughs> some of their videos, too. Their videos yeah. are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> They're different. They're just uh, from a different leaf, man. Yeah, they really are. Brown beaver, baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big brown beaver. How was just gonna say that? Like, what really kills me is how how old Primus is and and what they do. For instance, in MTV, they used to have a show on there called Gearheads. Mm-hmm. I think it was called Gearheads, and it was the claymation suit. Yeah, and. Uh, the the two characters that were on there at the very beginning, they were talking about they're they're going through what they're going to do to a car real quick, you know. It's real funny. They used that in their video for Winona's Big Brown Beaver. Yeah. And I'm like, I've seen that before. I know what it's from, and it it really made the video. It yeah. really did. Uh, I love that. Uh, I watched them. That was the beginning for me for, with Primus. That and uh, Mr. Crinkle. He does that on a on an upright bass. It's pretty really amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He does yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. he's a, he's a very talented musician. Yeah. all of them are. He I mean, is. I, I respect their musicianship. Yeah. I just I, their songs ne- don't necessarily do. It. Yeah. I mean, I respect Frank Zappa like oh, crazy. Absolutely, but but the songs <laughs> don't necessarily. They're kind of like they're funny. Yeah. They're novelty, but when they're when they're just playing, yeah. when he shuts up, and plays his guitar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, My introduction to him was when I was a, when I was a child. I was still in elementary school, and my buddy's brother, who was a lot older than him, had uh, the album with uh, the dental floss and and Dynamo Hum. Oh, Posture Overnight yeah. Sensation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we listened to that when we were kids because it was all about sex mostly. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So we listened to that all the time. It was cool. It was Man. That was an awesome album. Yeah, Don't you eat that, that yellow, yellow snow. snow. <laughs> <laughs> she got that Camarillo Brillo blowing <laughs> out about her head. Yeah. I actually just watched a documentary on Steve Vai the other day. Yes, he played for him. With, uh, yeah. with, uh, with Frank Zappa. Frank, it was yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. Steve Vai's phenomenal. Absolutely. He's another guy I respect the hell out of his town, his abilities. Absolutely. But I can only listen to him for so long. Yeah, I know. He's, he's almost so out there, it's... I mean, he blows everybody away. Yeah, and, absolutely. And then when I, when I watched that that video, that documentary, I, I mean, his his immersion into music started really young. Yeah. I mean, he was into the 
he played the trumpet and the cello and the accordion and and he, and, he, and he wrote he wrote a concerto when he was like I, don't quote me on the age but like twelve you know he he was just he he studied music you know and he he was phenomenal I've seen him I've only seen him once live but he's 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 phenomenal but I he's almost so good that he's hard to listen to for a length of time for me that's just for me Sheldon by different. <laughs> different, different strokes for different folks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd rather listen to Satriani. Mm. I like, I like, I like all of them, man. Nuno, well, I like, I like all of them. Like Satriani is like yeah. one of my top guitar players. Nuno, Nuno Bittencourt. Nuno, Nuno. Bittencourt. They got a new album out. Yeah, and it's really sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Extreme. They yeah. have a new album. Oh, Extreme. Really. I heard one song, and I'm telling you, that song that I heard was really good. Yeah. I did like it. The 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 lead riffs. Yeah. Or dynamite. Wow. I really like Nuno. He's got it. People don't talk enough about. Him. Yeah, I know. yeah, I know. I know. You can find yeah. videos of him doing shows in L.A. where he's kind of an MC slash playing. Yeah, it's, there's some pretty badass stuff. He's just a really cool dude. He's genuine. Yes. Genuine musician. Loves music. And does yeah. everything. I mean, guys teacher. Working. He played bass for uh, Steve Vai when he came on. They did a show there in L.A. And they had different musicians come in and play, and, and Steve I was one of the guys who came in and played, so he played bass for Steve I. Damn. You know, he's just a very versatile dude. Yeah, yeah. And sing like crazy, too. Yes, he can. They did a cover of, uh, uh, oh, Lord, what's that song? Doom, do, 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 do. Um, uh, under Pressure? Stuff. Yeah, Under Pressure. Under oh. Pressure, yeah. I forget who the other vocalist was, but him and another vocalist did under pressure which is ain't no fucking joke no. trying to cover St- uh, David Bowie and uh, yeah 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 Freddie and yeah, Freddie Freddy. together yeah absolutely do you think that uh, the Who gets their props oh they've had a hell of a history yeah uh, I would say yeah I, I would say I'd they say get their they props do. and then a better question is maybe do they deserve the props they get? <laughs> I mean, they get their props. Um, you, yeah. you don't like their... their no, 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 I, I like the Who. I like the Who. Absolutely. I love the Who. It's a different... Uh, but I don't love everything that the Who does. Um, yeah. I could listen to the hell out of Who's Next. The Who's album Who's Next. next. Yeah, yeah, Tommy yeah. and Quadrophenia are great rock operas, but I can only listen to so many yeah. certain select songs off of it. The whole thing, again, that's not necessarily an album I think I would put the needle on to go start to finish because there's a lot of, you know... Hmm. Inner, 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 <laughs> between the good songs stuff that I'm like, eh, that's okay, you know. Yeah. But it, but it tells a story. Yeah, it definitely tells the story. The thing with the Who at this point is they had their time, yeah. and then they kind of stopped, and time just left them behind. Yeah, I mean they're still the Who, and it's still definitely good music, but they didn't continue to generate music like no. When Keith Moon died, they yeah. they, they changed and. I had face dances and the albums in the early eighties. I mean, I respect them continuing to try, but yeah. they lost it. It's it not like the, uh, Jack White. Jack White uh, from the from Great White, White Stripes. The White, yeah, or, White yeah. Stripes. White Stripes. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, they're no longer together. But Jack does a lot of other stuff where he continues. Yeah, he's a creative guy. It yeah. was he, it was just him and his wife. Yeah, yeah but the they. Uh, he does a lot of stuff nowadays where he's uh, bringing up new artists and he's... Uh, did you Did you see him on Saturday Night Live the other no. day? Oh, my God. Really? It was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah. the hell out of it. 
He has a pretty good band. They're they're really good. Yeah. But he was singing, playing guitar. He's got the same, uh, I don't know what you'd call his guitar uh, style. Style. But the guitars that he used are like old Dan Electros that are they're retro. Almost everything he does is retro. But he had yeah. the, he had the fuzz turned all the way up, the distortion all the way up, and he was rocking it. Kind of got that out of that movie. Uh, it's gonna get loud. Yeah, it's gonna get loud because um, he was yeah, making yeah. that guitar and everything. Yes, out of I, yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Have you ever seen the the video? No. Have you? No. At the very beginning of the video, Jack White comes out and he's got a piece of wood yeah. and he's got a, a pickup. It looks like a double humbucker. Okay, and he's got hammer and some nails. He takes some wire and it's a pretty heavy gauge. Yeah, and he he starts nailing stuff down onto this piece of wood. And he plugs in the he plugs in the pickup to an amplifier and starts sliding across this thing and it just sounds so it's it's hell, so it's got soul it's got soul thing it's got everything he's another guy from uh, I think Detroit he's from Michigan but man the guy is he, he he's I don't consider him a fantastic guitar player no. but he knows what to do when it comes to what's in here and and putting it out there. That's what I like about the guy. Yeah. You know, I, I really appreciate his his thought process and what what he you know wants to show everybody what he can do. Kind of like Chris Cornell, right? Chris Cornell, Cornell, yeah, he love Cornell. All kinds of different bands and yeah, he's phenomenal. Oh yeah, he was a hell of a talent. Yes, he was, was. Great loss of music. Yeah. And they're all gone Even, now, uh, except for Carter Chester, uh, Bennington. Bennington. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a Bennington. lot of Bennington. 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 Yeah. There's so many people that have died. In the last ten years, that really. You think that's uh, that's what made their music? That was classic rock, you know. Yeah, that's what made their music so so mm. awesome, right? Is all the the turmoil and all the the bad stuff they went through, and then wanting to immerse themselves into the music and give uh, the audience their their story, right? And yeah. you know, showing their emotions, their true emotions. Mm-hmm. That's what made these bands awesome, right? A lot of them. But they yeah. all, not all bands had... Not everybody is like that, but yeah, a lot of... Oil, but it helped some of them. I think that during the the time of grunge oh, uh, yeah, was yeah. was that period that you're, you're speaking of. Yes. Yeah. 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 Not really, because, I mean, you look back, like he was saying, you look back at Jimi Hendrix, you know, obviously yeah. an amazing musician, singer, guitar player, also had issues. Yes. Turned to... Medications and alcohol yeah. and stuff to uh, keep him going, and Jim eventually Morrison. got him. Jim Morrison. I mean, oh, yeah. there's, there's, yeah. you know, yeah. Keith Moon and blah blah blah. And so yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a lot, a lot of people. Of it, right? a lot and, uh, of so a lot of people who are more creative uh, also have had that uh, issues, you know, childhood issues, parental issues, whatever. Yeah. And it's a part of what makes them, like you say, makes them expressive in the way they were. Yep. They're, they're not your run-of-mill average Joe, the nine-to-five guy. They're Mm-hmm. They got a little different view on the world, and yeah. that's what makes musicians most, you know, not everybody. I mean, Rush basically call themselves nerds. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were yeah, pretty decent. They're, they're pretty, 
Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah they did. They're pretty stable guys. They they don't do crazy stuff. Great parents families, were pretty strict. They had good families. Yeah, Probably the did. only thing bad thing they ever did is smoke weed. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. And hang out with Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they even in, in their videos they even talk about it. it. Says yeah, after the show, other bands go out and party and shit. Yeah, yeah we go back to the hotel room. <laughs> they study <laughs> old books. Yeah. And also watch TV. Yeah. Find new material to write on. So it's not everybody that has some crazy backstory that makes them what they are, but it is very common. Yeah. With musicians. That's why a lot of ways, they're just a slice of society. Yeah. That's I a mean, fact. There's a lot of people who don't, who aren't musicians and famous, who have a lot of turmoil. Mm-hmm. They just don't have musical talent to express it. They mm-hmm. might express it in different ways. Yeah. 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 You know, we're just not as well known. Yeah. <laughs> of course, we got a whole generation of podcasters and and uh, what do they call them now? Influencers? I think yeah, influencers. influencers. Yeah, they're TikTokers. Most of them are psychotic, so. <laughs> I, I listen to that before I listen to the news any day. Yeah. That's honest, true, because the news is full of shit. Yeah. yeah. At, at, I, least, at least with yeah. the podcast, stuff you expect it to be full of shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the news, yeah. you're like, aren't they supposed to tell me something real? Oh, never no. mind. <laughs> I forgot. We don't, do th- we don't do anything. We stopped doing that back in the 70s. But, yeah. What do you think of uh, Ted Nugent? We've talked a lot about him. There's a positive side and there's a negative side. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No. Ted Nugent was one of the guys that kept it clean. He's, he's, I've heard his, some of his uh, interviews that he's yeah. done, and he's never done any drugs. He's not a druggie. He's not an alcoholic. Yeah. He, uh, he was a Wayne Dang, Sweet Boutane kind of guy. <laughs> well, it is. That, that, it was, is. that was his addiction, was, was women. He'll tell yeah. you that. Yeah. His yeah. early career. Or the, or the oh, interviews God. I've seen of him. In his early career, he played with a psychedelic rock band. It was all about drugs. And it's funny because yeah. when he talked about it in an interview, he said, I didn't realize they were talking about drugs. <laughs> Journey to the center of the mind. Right. What do you think they're talking it, about? It never, it never it dawned on him. He just loved playing music. He had no idea they were talking about taking acid. And boy, Dukes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dukes. My, my very first concert, like I said before, Ted, when he came out, him and his band came out at the very end, the, he came across the stage swinging on a rope yeah. with a loincloth on and high, uh, knee-high moccasins yep. and a headband. That's all he wore. That's all he had That's, on. My, my show, it. too. Yeah. And, and halfway, I can't remember which song it was, but in the middle of the guitar solo, he was doing a back bend with this woman that was dancing over his head, her crotch in his face. She didn't have a shirt on. She didn't have anything on except for, like, panties. Yeah. <laughs> she was shaking it, and he was just playing in a back band. I'm like, holy God, this guy's talented. <laughs> <laughs> I That's love Ted Nugent. I, he's crazy. His first, I love Ted Nugent's first four albums. After yeah. after Weekend Warriors and State of yeah. Shock and yeah. whatever came out after that. I, but his title album was Stranglehold and Stormtrooping and Hey Baby and Motor City Madhouse, Snakeskin Cowboy. Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. That, I, I used to have it on my wall, but I don't know. Now I have Free For All, which is the second album. But, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That was that one, album. That album, yeah. and Cat Scratch Fever, and Weekend Warriors is okay. That's it was the tour right. I saw him on. When I saw him live, it was yeah. on the Weekend Warriors tour. Yeah. Um, and it was a phenomenal show. He's a great bluesy... Hard rock and bluesy, oh, oriented guitar player. He was a good, very uh, opinionated guitar player. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> and, and that, when I saw him, he had—I mean, he obviously, I'm sure he had all his political views still, yeah. you know, there. But 
He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. You never listen to it. He's one of those guys that I'm like, I'm not at your concert to listen to, to yeah. political speech. I want to hear. Just shut up and play your guitar. Yeah. Yeah. I saw him. I saw now, him. In later years, he became that. Yeah. Yeah. I saw him in '99 when Kiss did their finale tour in 99 yeah. you know, the, I the, saw him in 2001 one of the last seven or eight finale tours they did but uh, he, my ass tour Nugent, open, Nugent opened up for him here in Fresno and like he was saying I, I love Nugent I have ever since I was a kid but he gets up there and he starts talking and talks some more and talks some more and I think they played like three songs <laughs> and, he, and he's sitting here in Fresno Probably 40% of the people in the audience are Hispanic. And, of course, he pipes up about, well, if you don't speak English, you need to get the fuck out of the country. Oh, and man. they had the TV station, everybody out there, you know, interviewing people, aren't you offended by and all this good shit. But it's like that that's unfortunately where he's a hell of a musician, but he's gotten so wrapped up in his politics that he can't keep his mouth shut. He can't keep his yeah. I mean, he has a radio show, right? Yeah. Just talk about it on your radio yeah. show. Yeah, you can talk yeah, about it anything yeah, you want. But I, come to, want but I come to listen to music. Let's listen to some music. Yeah, when I go to a concert, I need a political I just for that. Yeah. yeah, on both sides. I mean, yeah. I don't want to go no. to a Neil Young concert and hear the liberal side. I don't want to go to a Ted Nugent and hear the hear the yeah. conservative side. I just I'm here want to, to listen to music. Yeah, and I love Neil Young. <laughs> I love Neil Young's music. Yeah, and I love the Eagles. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that, but they don't sit and talk liberal stuff. No, but they're liberal. But yeah. Um, and I love Ted Nugent. But just shut up, play music. Yeah. Well, liberal or conservative is irrelevant when it comes to music. And again, music and food, that's the thing people get together about. You know, you know, there's what are you gonna argue about a taco? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with a damn taco. <laughs> is, is there a liberal choice. and a conservative version of a taco? I mean whatever. <laughs> the same thing with music. It's music, but I don't want to hear, like you said, uh, Phil from Pantera oh, after God. Pantera oh, broke up yeah. he gets up on the fucking stage and just goes on and on yeah. about whatever the hell and you're like dude I really came here to listen to your band do you, do you mind yeah. sharing that I don't that? care what your agenda is yeah. just play I saw it live in Super Joint Ritual yeah. Yeah, Same a thing. crap band in my opinion I mean Pantera was, was, was in a world of its own phenomenal Sure. down his other band was not very too, good not too bad I saw them live at Ozfest and uh, they were great, but Super Joint Ritual was just a crap man. But he would—he was the same thing. And he's—we're at—we're at an Avenged Sevenfold was the second or third headliner of this of this event, and they attracted a lot of somewhat emo kind of. I mean, I think Avenged Sevenfold is a pretty hard rocking band. Yeah, I like Avenged, uh, but they attract an emo side. Of, of, sure. And, and uh, rock thing. there was another band there that was somewhat emo, and I don't remember who they were, but um, he was on this rant. You know, they would go on this rant about emo. I'm like, you're you're bashing the people that bought tickets to come see. <laughs> Two thirds of the people out there <laughs> staring at you right now. Killswitch Engage, the band, that band. Yeah. I, I saw like them live, and, and Adam Gerkowitz or whatever his name is. I don't. He, uh, the guitarist, he got on a rant about emo, and it was at a Warp tour. <laughs> I'm like warp tour of all the That's places. Like, yeah, ninety percent of that crowd was emo. <laughs> I'm like, and he was bashing emo, and I'm like, maybe you shouldn't Everybody be this event. Maybe you should just shut the hell up, play your name. They're guitar. more metal than emo anyway. You know, yeah. they shouldn't even be at an emo event. But, <laughs> but don't bash the people that, that spent 
He'd yeah. love to come see you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We have songs like uh, Stranglehold or all these other songs that are like extended out and longer than usual. Yeah. Freebird. Freebird. <laughs> yeah. Highway song. Uh, yeah. 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 I love it. Do you think that people like that better than the short condensed version of what these music companies want? Depends on what age. Depends on how drunk you are. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's <laughs> that? Depends on how drunk they are. Freebird's awesome when you're freaking blasting oh, on your mind. It depends on what age group you're talking to. I like extended solos. I like a yeah. song that goes on a journey. Starts here, takes a little trip, you know, and then comes back home. You know, I like songs that do that. Um, that's why I used to love Yes. Their yeah, songs yeah. were like a Damn. journey. You know, Rush thought they were going to get Rush did that for a while too. You know? Oh, in the they beginning, they weren't going to. In the be beginning, they almost anymore. didn't make it on tour in the U.S. because of it. Yeah, yeah. The radio station wouldn't even fucking no. touch them at first. But I, I, I like extended solos. I, I personally, as musicians, I think we tend to like guys who can play their instrument. Absolutely. And play their instrument well. You know, so I like drum and solos. I like guitar solos. Yes. I like bass solos. I want to see a guy and his instrument just ripping it up. Kazoo. Mm-hmm. Kazoo's pretty awesome, too. It is. Yeah. The what? Kazoo. 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 <laughs> Give me one hell of a kazoo solo. <laughs> Tear that shit up. Hey, ACDC like... fucking bagpipes. Come on. Bagpipes. <laughs> yeah. Bon Scott. Shit. Shit can be done. Actually, I saw a recent show. I saw a video on YouTube, and it was a, older, a little bit older lady, and she came out with a set of bagpipes, and they were playing blues. Mm. And, and the, the caption on there was, "You can't play blues on a bagpipe." And she comes out, she's, she's kind of dancing around. Yeah, she played and in she, Fresno with the town. Yeah, and she pulled her bagpipe, and she's over here she's just jamming the hell out of some blues. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen bagpipe play blues before. She killed it. You know <laughs> it who told me about that yeah. band? John Ward. Yeah. He, he's into alternative stuff. Yeah, he and likes, he, he, he yeah. told me about her, and I'm like, man, I saw the tickets, and I'm like, oh, man, I want to go tower. watch him. Yeah, I want to go watch her play. I like the tower. Yeah, I do, too. Yeah, it's a fantastic cool place, place to, to go to a show. To tower yeah, we have. Quite a few. Yeah. yeah do you it's... think uh, when, they, when they play their songs, like, kind of right on top of each other, like, they'll take three songs and put them together... Like for a, a, crowd, like a, a compilation. Do a medley? A compilation. Or, 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 Rush does it a lot. Rush or, does it yeah. all. Or Led Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah. Zeppelin did do little medleys, yeah. 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 Is that good, or would you rather see kind of a pause in the middle? I like it. Dude? I like it, because you... It's a tool. It depends on they the have, song. The, the band has a set list. It depends on the song. It Correct. does. But a band usually comes out with a set list. Like, for instance, this is just a Rush thing. Um, and... They'll play Limelight, uh, Camera Eye, and a couple other songs, and they'll put them together. And at least you get to hear a little piece of something from another era than what their new album is. I, I it, it's the way of them condensing it down so that they get to play more of what the old people, me, uh, have heard in the past. Everybody in the crowd. Well, yeah, exactly. It's, That's about, the way it's I also about, about, it's about value because you figure... The band comes out, and if you play one song at a time, and then there's a little spot in between, and there's some in the front man's BS, and then and everybody tunes their guitar, and then you play again. So it's like, play a song, take a couple of minutes, play a song, take five minutes. That can be distracting as well because you're you're into it, you're enjoying it, and then it stops, and then you got to wait until they get their shit together to play the next one. A really good band, 
not necessarily will have the songs completely made up against each other. They'll, they'll literally hit out of one song and start another and occasionally stop to, to interact with the audience. But it's a tool you can use to uh, create your show. You can have, well, I'm going to do three songs, and we're just going to hit them back to back nonstop without stopping to BS or anything. And then we'll stop, and you know the lead, the lead singer will get up there and talk some shit for a little bit, and then we'll play some more songs. It's just another... It's a way of choreographing your show, yeah, and and giving more value by playing more songs instead of standing up there like we were bitching about earlier, talking about politics for thirty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 the song, like like in the case yeah. of Rush, if they're gonna play Xanadu, it's oh, gotta yeah. be start to finish. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't want well, to have a piece different. of Xanadu. Yeah, but Rush would always do it with songs that they don't necessarily play a lot live, hmm. but like a passage to Bangkok, for example. Yeah. for example. You know, on their R30 tour, they did in like 2003 or four, whatever year it was, they opened the show with a medley. And they, they started off with Finding My Way from the, from the first album. First which they album, don't, yeah. And it was an instrumental uh, medley. And mm-hmm. then they launched into Anthem, which is the very first rough song I ever heard on a record. Yes. Um, and then they launched into Bastille Day, and then they launched off of Crest Steel, and then they launched into uh, Passage to Bangkok, mm-hmm. which you never hear live. So they, no. they they would, and that's like throwing the audience a bone of stuff that that's the way you know, I, I want to hear. Yeah. You know these songs, but they don't, they can't play everything. I mean, they have a catalog right. of hundreds of songs, I think that's so a, they can only play so much. That's what Getty says every time he comes out. We're gonna play a million songs. Yeah, you know, some <laughs> songs you just have to play. You know, they have to play Tom Sawyer. Yeah. They have to yeah. play Spirit Radio. And then there's songs like, I don't know, uh, Living, Love, and Made, and yeah. you know, things like yeah, that, that, where yeah, it was recorded where the song one song immediately drops in another and they fit together. Yeah, and it seems weird when you hear it. And they don't. Do that. Yeah, 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 it does. Heartbreaker. That's a cool. Heartbreaker. Yeah. Heartbreaker. Hold on a second. Heartbreaker. We're waiting for a living love. Oh, wait, where'd that yeah. go? <laughs> you got to hear them together. I yeah. agree. You do. You do. Because on the Let's Up on Two album, they, they, there's no spot. It's like a non stop. It's like a stop. You got to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And I love both And you get so used to it, especially with a band like it's been around for God forever. <laughs> and then you hear the song, and it's like, hold on a second, where's the other song? It's missing. Yeah. What did they do? Yeah. Why did they change it? Why they cut that? Yeah, why they cut that out? Do you guys enjoy the acoustic versions of your favorite songs? Oh, yeah. Sometimes. Like when Korn gets up there and plays with, uh, what's that chick from Evanescence or whatever? Uh, Amy Lee? Yeah, Amy Lee. That's mm-hmm. what it is, yeah. What do you think about songs like that? I love it. I love uh, acoustic stuff. Pretty badass, though, right? Yeah, I, I love it. Especially when they play in a smaller form. Not strictly, but yeah. Yeah, yeah the small, small, intimate form. Yeah, yeah, little yeah. intimate things where... Like the unplugged zone. Yeah. 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 Like El Dimiola and Fresno. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> love the unplugged, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that was about like you're sitting in his living room kind of thing. Yeah. Al cool. Dimiola. When we went to go see Al Dimiola. Oh, man. Oh my God, that was about, about as close you you get to being in his living room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was sitting there in his chair, kicking back, bullshitting, playing guitar. That was, was pretty awesome. That, that was a bucket list night right there. And then Absolutely. the one jackass said, "I was there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember you." <laughs> Talking to Al. That was the guy you were telling me about that would tell you the backstory about the songs, though, right? Yeah, he would Come stop. Yeah, yeah, he would stop here and there song, and but yeah. talk a little history about things he'd done, people he'd met. Mediterranean Sundance he talked about. 
talked about uh, what was his name? Uh, Lucio, Papa Lucio, yeah, in, uh, on the Mediterranean side. Yeah, Mediterranean. And how when he, how he heard him and how he invited him to do an album, and he showed up and was having a tough time until they got him a bag of weed. Yeah, just get him some weed. He'll be fine. He nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once he got the weed, he was good. He just had a little hard time the first day. I, that was my first, my first introduction to an actual classical guitar player. One that was really good. And these guys, you know, we all went together. But I was just amazed. When I walked in there and I saw him sit down and put his music on his easel and then start playing it the way he was playing it, yeah. it was like he was talking to me. Like, how are you reading that? Exactly. How can you read that? He's very fast. Oh. And very yeah. precise. He's a very he's a real musician. A lot of it was probably chord like charts. Probably wasn't necessarily probably. all notes for no, but he but he reads oh music. God. And yeah, well, I was I was amazed. Oh yeah. That was a that was a that was a bucket list. It was a bucket list night for me. My yeah. my first experience with that whole phenomenon you just mentioned when I was very young, there was a guitar store on it was a few miles away from where I lived. It's called it on Hemp Hill, and there was this old guy there named Bill Luttrell, and he was a World War II vet and had some hell ashes stories about his World War II shenanigans. But he's an older guy. I mean, he's in seventies, early seventies. Had a a Gibson ES three thirty five that he bought <laughs> brand new that was made in I don't know forty something, and you know the lockers all cracked on it. I remember I used to bug him forever I'd bug him to let me play that guitar and he wouldn't let me play it and then finally one day he broke down and let me hand me the guitar I couldn't even fret a freaking chord on it because his strings were like a quarter inch fucking high <laughs> but he would play it like his butter so but this dude read music he had a photographic memory um, he had been he went to music school literally got a degree in music when he was a kid and he would sit in his store and he'd have a bunch of old guys that would come by and it was like a barbershop almost. He'd stay all sit down and bullshit about stuff all day. And he'd bring out some sheet music and he's learning new songs because they do lounge, a lounge act. And we're talking swing jazz, you know, really intense stuff. So he'd lay all this music. He's sitting there carrying on a conversation with these guys, reading the fucking music, playing them the song. He'd go through it one time and have it completely memorized from beginning to end. And I ain't talking about strumming three chords. This stuff is like, you know, 18 chords per freaking... Perverse, you know. This is some pretty intense, you know, swing jazz, and yeah, it just—he'd done it his whole life. He learned the—he was a real musician because he really studied music. He learned the theory. He learned how to read. You know, it was required in his, when he was young. If you're going to be a musician, you had to do this. Yeah. This wasn't an option. There was no. I'm going to go learn in my bedroom and become a rock star. It was. Here's how you read sheet music, and uh, it was used to just amaze me that this guy probably forgot more about music than I'll ever know in my entire life. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. playing like that. Yeah. yeah. As you play How big was the crowd when you guys went to see him? Who, uh, Al Demiolo? Yeah. yeah. It was full. It was a No, no, no. No, If it wasn't all the Four or five hundred. theater in, in Fresno. So four or five hundred maybe? Yeah. 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 Kind of It was pretty, very Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. he, he's not, he's not a... Commercial, doc, you know, sensation. You know, he's he's like when we went and saw the dregs. That the Dixie dregs. So I was like in the crowd. There was like 150, maybe 200 people there. Maybe. And I'm like, I felt bad for them because, Fantastic. but I felt like I was in the part of a special little select group because yeah. we got it. 
Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, I get I get those guys. I mean, Rob Morgenstein on drums and yeah. and Steve Morse on guitar. I mean, yeah. they're all phenomenal musicians. Every huh? one of them. Every single one of them. And uh, and it's like. All these, all these people that didn't go, I'm like, you don't know what you missed. Yes. You just, That's they were, exactly how I felt. Bands yeah. like that are interesting because it doesn't necessarily mean that the band's not successful or popular at the time. Uh, going back to, I'm a big Pantera fan, in case, I mean, everybody else knows it. Pantera. But Pantera made, a, made it a point. They would go out and do a tour and they would do 30, 40,000 seat arenas and shit you know, in their heyday when they were big. Mm-hmm. Uh, hell, they did the Monsters tour in Moscow, you know, with the damn near half billion people there, some shit like that. But they would also go back at the end of the tour and they'd go and do clubs and they'd find modest, medium-sized clubs, not tiny little places, but, you know, two, three, four hundred people and they'd go do a show there. And unlike other bands who at the end of their set would go to the back and take a break, they go out <laughs> and start drinking with the audience. Yeah. And Dime was huge about, he wanted... He was all about the audience. His fans were the most important thing in the planet, and he would spend time with them, drink with them. They'd be on tour, get no sleep. I swear to God, I'm going to sleep after the, we finish tonight. Yeah. And then walk off the stage, and some fan wants to drink and party. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but they were like that. They were they would do these small places because they wanted to interact with their fans directly. So a lot of bands, really? it's if you got enough money and you're happy, you got what you need then now you've got the room to actually enjoy what it is you love doing. And that's where a lot of bands will go and do these small shows because they enjoy that intimate contact with their fans as much as the fans enjoy the same interaction. Yeah. It's not because they couldn't do a bigger show, it's because they enjoy doing the small shows. Yeah. I don't think the Dixie Directs could do a bigger show because they, they've been out of circulation for so long. Oh, wow. So long. They, they broke up in the middle 80s, early 80s, and... Uh, and then Steve Morse went through his solo thing. Then he joined Deep Purple. Yeah. Then he joined. He was in Deep Purple. Then he joined Kansas. Time, I huh? I think he was working with Deep Purple at the time he did the the show with us. He might have because he, because he he's did still Kansas there. first actually. Yeah, yeah. Then he went into okay. Deep Purple. Um, but uh, they they reunited for that tour we saw him on. Yeah. Not a lot of people know about them. They're That's they're, a shame. they're not a w- really well known band, <laughs> but they're talent. Every one of them is a phenomenal musician, and the music they played was sure. Just just great. I was hung on every every pick. Oh yeah. Every note, everything. Yeah. I was just like in awe. I couldn't help myself, you know. They're really good at what they do. Yeah, Steve Steve Morris ranks up there and oh, yeah. and very the, highly the top guitar players and sure. I remember the first time I saw him. Yeah. It was on a an, a tutorial <laughs> video. Oh. And, and it was about Steve Morrison. And I was really amazed at the strings that were hanging off of his fingers. I'm like, what the hell is that? It's calluses. That yeah, they were shredding. They were yeah. shredding. I'm like, holy God, this guy plays a lot. Hey, there's a game we can play. <laughs> Who's your favorite guitar player? Nah, oh, God. Who's the best guitar player? No, there's no such thing. I there's no such that. thing. I love those, I love those polls you yeah. see online. You know, I, I, I belong to several groups, like mm, the yeah, Cover Band Central... All the Rush groups, you know, yeah. on Facebook, and and everybody's like, you know, as much as I love Rush, <laughs> I'm not going to say Neil Pierce the greatest drummer of all time, no, because no. he's not. 
But he's, he's a very, very, very good he's, drummer. Yeah, he's my favorite <laughs> yeah. drummer. Right. I wish people would just say, who are your favorites? Well, Not who's yeah, yeah. the greatest, because there's no greatest. They have to ruin it by doing it. That's exactly yeah. how it started. So your favorite guitar player is? My favorite guitar player is Al DiMiola. Good choice. No. <laughs> no? My favorite guitar player is Randy Rhodes. Nice. I like good the choice. neoclassic metal, sure. and I don't like the way he played, but I've got a lot of other ones that I like. My favorite guitar player is all of them. Uh, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you asked for one. Django Reinhardt. Django Reinhardt. People don't know about Django yeah. Reinhardt. There's a story. Yes, it is. See, you're going to have to do a part two. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So the problem is every guitar player is unique, just like every yeah. human being is unique. Yeah. So I love the, the incredibly fast, super talented people like Steve Vai and mm -hmm. Paul Gilbert and Eddie Van yeah. Halen and talk about Paul. all these people. Uh, they're amazing musicians and they're, they do incredible things that most people could never even conceive of doing on a guitar. But then there's also people that do things slower and less flashy, but do incredibly amazing things like David Gilmore. David Gilmore, probably yeah. been one of my favorite. I knew we were yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew he was coming. He's one of my favorites too. No, I, I love David Gilmore because he he could take one note and pull mm -hmm. so much soul out of a single note. No. Yeah. Whereas another guitar player might play 150 notes in the same period of time, and not be nearly as satisfying because there, right. it's it's a machine, <laughs> it's a machine like thing rather than a soulful yeah journey. So. Uh, Ingve, that's yeah, that's exactly you where played, I would go yeah, with that. hundred notes in a second, and, uh, and none yeah. of them said anything. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed you know. his concert, but yeah, that's... I respect oh, he's, he's great live. Yeah. He's fun. He does put a show. But I, I, yeah. But yeah, I'll take Gilmore's soul, because yeah. those, they're melodic, they're memorable. Yeah. Um, he can, like you said, he can take one note, and vibrato, he'll bend it. Then I bend it again, and then again. And bring it down. <laughs> you take that one note, and that one note turns into seven or eight notes. Just yes. the way he bends it, he makes yep. a lot out of each one. And and the way, he, yeah, his tones and vibrato is another subject altogether. A lot yeah. of the really, really, really good guitar players have incredible vibrato, and uh, like people will talk about Angus Young as well. He's not that great, you know. It's just a basic blues stuff. Yeah. That dude has vibrato that oh. is almost freaking impossible yeah, to reproduce. Absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. He's not highly ranked enough in the blues guitarist world. Well, it's just I mean, like I said, the vibrato he does is is really yeah. really difficult to reproduce. You know, there's not a. It's interesting when you can judge guitar players. You want to talk about skills based on who copies who. A lot of guitar players will copy their favorite guitar player. Yeah. A lot of guitar players will not copy somebody they really really like because they're afraid they couldn't do it right <laughs> yeah and yeah, there's a true. lot of bands you're not going to hear people redoing reproducing paul gilbert stuff no uh people do van halen although only certain things they avoid yeah. a lot of stuff because it's really damn hard to reproduce what he does yeah, yeah. you don't hear a lot of people doing Jimi hendrix though uh there's not a now. lot of people yeah he there's did. a lot of people that do Jimi hendrix but again, it's also certain songs. It's not everything. Mm -hmm, not all of and uh, rarely is it done as well as what Jimi Hendrix did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a poor imitation. Uh, yeah. There are some people that can pull it off, but most people can't pull it off, because especially Jimi Hendrix, because he's all over the damn place. There's no real rhyme or reason as to what the hell he's doing. And every time he played it, it's going to yeah. be different. It was a little different. Jimi yeah. has his own chord. He made it up on, <laughs> on the spot. Yeah. Improvised. I mean, Stevie Ray Vaughan... He'd His cover good. of Voodoo Child is about as good as I've ever heard. Yeah. 
I love his little wing. I, you know, his, his, his instrumental little wing yes. is phenomenal. Yeah. Yes. I, There's a lot I of people that do a nice cover of Little Wing. One of the best covers of Little Wing I ever heard was in uh, Bahrain, of all places. Mm-hmm. There's a little club there that I discovered that was off the beaten path that the Navy people never made it to. And um, they had a band there, and awful. this guitar player got up and did Little Wing, and he just tore the hell up. Yeah. He was freaking good. I heard a lot of good people yeah. when I was in PI. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, guitar players, players, man. That's very, very talented yeah. people. Yes. <laughs> That's another podcast. That's another podcast. <laughs> PI days. Oh, yeah, God. I love God. In uh, 1999, I was stationed on Okinawa, and I had a roommate who would the only thing he would ever watch, ever anything. Was Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, yeah. And he would put SRV. on video after video of Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. And I've learned to love him. Nothing wrong with that. Stevie Ray was. Yeah, I never, I never knew about Stevie Ray Vaughan until then, but he was just fucking. The, the videos, you could see he was fucked in his mind, but he would play his guitar just fucking. Oh, he played it with passion. Oh, yeah. I mean, he had another great vibrato and great oh, yeah. sound. Yeah. and... Yeah, it's just a tap and strings and the pitch. Yeah, I I love Steve Ray Vaughan. Yeah, absolutely, a lot of drugs. That good good and stand the well. He also his cleaned up at the end. Drinking. Oh yeah, yeah his he, was went, he went completely lot. sober yeah. at the end and was completely yeah. reinventing yeah. himself. There's that's what's so died. tragic. Yeah. There's yeah. two videos. There's two videos of mantra. Okay, there was a mantra in the beginning. Yeah, that uh, who was at the show? Um, uh, Jackson Brown and David Bowie. David Bowie, yeah. That's where they found him. And David Bowie put him on Let's, was it Let's Dance? Let's Dance. Okay. So that's where he got founded. I mean, big time founded. Yeah. But anyway, in the very first one, he was on, he was doing things that he shouldn't have been doing. He was drinking way too much. You see that. Okay. On the second one that he comes back on, he's clean and sober. Yeah. And holy God. I mean, both of them, I, I can't tell very much of a difference musicianally, you know, how he's playing. Yeah. And it sounds the same to me. But he felt so much better. You can see he was enjoying himself a whole yeah. lot more. Because in the first Montreux video... He was sweating. Oh, God. It was yeah, terrible. It was poor and but he came there during the Blues Festival. And yeah. in oh, France, they, booed they booed the shit they out of him. They booed him off stage. Yeah. But, yeah. But, Why? Because they were, they, were, they were expecting horns. Oh. And they were expecting that kind of musicianship. Yeah. Not some guy on a guitar player, you know... Coming out on stage and yeah, playing all not this. that kind of oh, guitar yeah. player. He it was, was a Montreux He was a monster. jazz festival, yes, was and all day festival. long these people have been sitting through yeah. very quiet, you know, yes. jazzy stuff, which is nice. Yes. It's lovely. Yes, but then Stevie Ray Vaughan comes out, yeah. you know, and you know, just tearing it up. Yeah. And they they didn't like. It. I, I had that like video. It. I yeah, I got both of them. But both of them. Yeah, they. It's crazy. They got booed. You could hear people. You could hear some people cheering him because they yeah. got it. There was one guy mm-hmm. with the camera. There was a camera that they had behind him, pointing down at the stage, and you see this one guy, and he's rocking out, yeah. and everybody else is just sitting there, you know, and just oh, and you can see some hands flying yeah. in the air. Like, yeah, get out know, of here. Like, yeah, you don't even know. It was crazy. You don't get it. But Bowie was there. Bowie and De- yeah. Jackson Brown and, and were Jackson. in the audience. Yep. That changed his life. Yeah, that right there yeah. changed his life. Because they walked off being booed and they were demoralized. I've right, right. seen some interviews and read, read some anyway. I mean, yeah, um, me too. And he was, yeah. Man. But yeah. But yeah, it, it also made him famous. Yeah. 
and gave everybody a little piece of my well, skill. Well, you didn't get booed off the second no, time. No, they no. were, oh, man, they embraced him like you wouldn't believe. It's crazy. I still remember the day that my wife called me and told me that he died. Mm. Yeah, I remember. That was a really sad I situation. remember that, too. I was deployed. I was on the Ranger. Yeah. Very I sad I story. With me. It was not too long after he cleaned his act up. And he was, I know. He had a very uh, positive yeah. outlook on his future yep. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. What did he die of? Helicopter, helicopter crash. Helicopter crash. crash. Yeah. Yeah. You're going from show Basically, to show. it wasn't even supposed to be on it. It was, it was almost like the Buddy Holly thing. Yeah. Uh, somebody yeah. said, hey, Big Bob. He needed to get somewhere, and they offered him a damn seat and said, hey, yeah. go ahead, take my spot. You can go. Yeah. And sure enough, they went and crashed. Yeah, he was playing with uh, Robert Cray and yeah. Eric Clapton and somebody else. Some it was a blues festival. Yeah. Which, um, yeah. They were, yeah, yeah. They were going to the next place they were going to play. I, I forgot the locations, but. Um, yeah, helicopter crash. Man. Yeah. So sad. Yeah, rock musicians and small aircraft don't go. No, no, no. absolutely so, not. So if anybody roads. ever gets famous as a rock musician, do Randy not roads. fly in a small airplane. Yeah, <laughs> that was stupid because he's definitely afraid of flying. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. The driver of the bus decided, hey, man, come on, let's go. Yeah. And the seamstress, he'd already given the seamstress a ride. So she convinced Randy and him to get on the plane and go for a joyride. Hmm. And then they hit the bus on the second or third pass. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and it sent the airplane into the owner of the airfield's house, yeah. and he burned to death inside the airplane there. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That I'll cry right. about that shit. Yeah. 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 I remember I, I was deployed on the, uh, on the Kennedy. Yeah. In 82, when that, I think when that happened. Sad. Seems like every time I, deplo I was deployed, somebody died. Because when Dimebag got shot, I was on God. the Nimitz in 2004, I think it was. Or I was already out of the military by then. Yeah. Yeah. I remember what year it was. I think it was. I four. had tickets to go see him in, in L.A. a week yeah. or two after that show. Yeah. And uh, he was in Damage Plan at the time. Yep. Damage Plan, yeah. They were doing their little tour and mm -hmm. doing, like I said earlier, they, they like to do shows in smaller venues. Yeah, venues, he was in a yeah. club. And they were, awesome. going, they were going club to club doing shows rather than trying to push for bigger venues, bigger venues. because yeah. they wanted that personal relationship. Yeah. And unfortunately, it didn't work out that time. Yeah. And of all the people you could have killed, I mean, that guy, Yeah. I can't even begin to explain what an incredibly nice person he was. Yeah, he so, was just... Pretty amazing you got to know him, that you knew him. Yeah. Well, as a Absolutely. guitar player sitting down playing next to this guy, and this is a guy who won every guitar competition he ever entered to the point where they stopped letting him compete because they made him a judge because somebody else has got to win. And you'd sit down with this guy, and he'd teach you, you know, licks or whatever, but he never made you feel like you were less than he was, even though he was like 10 times a guitar player I ever thought of being. Oh, but he would treat me as though I were his equal. equal. Yeah. And it was so cool. You know, he was just a really cool guy. He was, a, he was a hoot to be around. I remember uh, watching, a, it was a, an interview this guy did on him, and he was teaching people how to do the squeal. <laughs> like, yeah. man, it's crazy. He, he, unlike some other guitar players, he embraced the knowledge and sharing with, uh, and he wasn't a, a music theory guy. He didn't read yeah, music. No. In fact, he pointed out that, yeah, I'm not really into all that because I'm into the feel of music rather yeah. than the, the mechanical yeah. process yeah. of music. Yeah. In fact, all, most everything he did, he wrote while sitting on the shitter. 
<laughs> in one of the videos, in one of the videos, they they showed his bathroom and his bedroom there, and he had a four track recorder in there. He'd bring his guitar in, sit, plop down on the seat, and start jamming some shit, record it. You know, he'd write fucking lyric ideas on the wall. It's still there on the wall in his house. Fucking, that's where most of his most of his music was shit. <laughs> <laughs> it turned into gold. <laughs> Oh, God. Do you guys get into uh, big hair bands? I did. Big hair bands, hair bands, 80s rock. Yeah, of course I did. I like hair. First off, if you lived then and you like rock, you were into hair metal because that was the thing at the time. And there were some damn good bands. Some of them were less hairy than others. (laughs) I wasn't a big Poison fan. I I love Poison. Memorable, catchy songs, but. And I, and I think Every Rose Has a Thorn is one of the best ball- rock ballads, really, for me, um, that I've written. It's a, that's a beautiful song. There was a lot of beautiful. There was a lot yeah, of amazing music not, made back then. I'm not then. into a lot yeah. of their other stuff, but I like Cinderella. I liked uh, some of Rat. I wasn't a huge Rat band. They're, Love they're, Rat. Like Rat. Their first album I really liked a lot. Warren D. Martini. I got it up on the wall. Out of the cellar. I was a huge fan of Rat. Yeah, I mean, I like them, but they weren't, my, they weren't necessarily my favorite. Mm. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there was a lot I'm of. Corrected. <laughs> I really think there was a, a like a, a huge production of really good guitar players at that one time. Oh, yeah. yeah, I really do. I mean, look at that's the, the era of Van Halen's. Yeah, absolutely, you know? and Randy Rhodes. And the Randy biggest their issue. Yeah. Biggest problem I had with the hair metal thing. Looking back on it and talking about all those amazing guitar players, and they were they were incredibly yeah. talented guitar players yeah. out there. And every damn one of them tried to sound exactly yes. like. Uh, almost, there were, yeah, there, there were a few, there were fringe bands like Van Halen's Van Halen, shit like that, ACDC, mm-hmm. ACDC, so on and so forth. But the main clump of bands there were so hard trying to be exactly like, like each them, other, yeah. Yeah. especially they, the guitar players. Yeah. And it was it, they didn't have you know Van Halen. You can listen to a solo and immediately recognize it as Van Halen. Oh, right. uh, ACDC, Eddie, Angus yeah. Young. Yeah. No you know it's an Angus Young solo mm-hmm. as soon as you hear it because it has his sound, his techniques. Yeah, yeah. Ted Nugent. Yeah, Ted Ted has sound. That's what that's where it defines a really great guitar player. Whereas you had this whole group of guitar players, technically amazing guitar yeah. players, mm-hmm. but they all sounded exactly alike. They were doing exactly. Yeah. I got to do the tap on thing. Yeah. I got to yeah, do yeah. this. I got to do yeah. that. It's all part of it. But there was some incredible like music. Made. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I like some of the solo. Skid Row and fucking. Oh, I think uh, Skid Row's underrated. Yeah, Skid yeah. Row was one of those bands I really liked. There was a lot of really good bands then. Uh, Paul Gilbert and uh, mm-hmm. Big, Mr. Big. Yeah, Mr. Big. Yeah. That was that. Yeah. They, they did okay. They didn't really smash it like some mm-hmm. of the bands did. Their yeah. timing. They had a lot of talent throughout the. But whole oh my God, band. you had Paul Gilbert. You had freaking. Uh, the bass player, uh, Billy Sheenan. Sheenan. Billy Sheenan. I mean, My one of the God. most amazing bass players. He, he rock plays bass, players. bass yeah. like a like a shredder. Plays a yeah. guitar. Well, they always called him a lead bass player. Yeah, the lead uh, bass player. There, there like were the, the Van Halen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. There was no weak links in that band, and they made some amazing mm-hmm. music. And they did good, they, just they not did. as good as they could have. Yeah, the timing wasn't right because you had the hair, yeah. the beginning of the hair metal thing. You know, all these bands like Motley Crue and shit blew up, and that was the beginning of the real hair metal era and then everybody started trying to jump on by the time you got yeah. to the end of it extreme yeah, came yeah, out yeah, and yeah. they did beautiful music oh absolutely but they did it at the wrong damn time yeah. and it didn't they didn't get the i mean they did good but they didn't do great 
They're not that household name. They didn't get the notoriety. Not not like yeah. the the early I, hair metal bands like Bon Jovi and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and White. State. It's all about radio play, really. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is. And it's, most most radio play you have to pay for a, them. A to, lot of it yeah, is. A lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. That's all these radio stations. You know, people think that it's just from people calling in. Hey, I want to hear this yeah. song. No, it's the <laughs> bands or whoever's. Music it is paying for that airtime. Well, yeah, and if the record the company record is company. not, not trying, right. a lot of bands, you know, they were talking about Alcatraz uh, when I was uh, watching that Steve Vai documentary, mm-hmm. and Alcatraz got absolutely because absolutely no support from the record company. Yeah. They they wouldn't promote anything that they did, but they you know they got a great album called Disturbing the Peace and mm-hmm. and Grand Bonnet singing you know from yeah. Rainbow and, and Michael Schenker group and. Yep. And uh, I actually just played it this morning. The, yeah, the, yeah. The, just that album. And it's a great <laughs> record, but it got zero airplay. No play. It got zero support. Well, UFO. UFO came oh, out. They God, did. I love UFO. UFO yeah, did really, really well. Michael. Schenker. And then all of a sudden, they just ceased to exist on the radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, they literally got blackballed. I don't know what. I've never read a story explaining I I, what happened. Yeah. Some of it was. But, but there was a point because I would call a radio station and say, "Hey, I want to hear rock bottom." Oh, I'm sorry, we don't have that. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got every bloody thing else on the planet. Why don't you yeah. have Rock Bottom, one of the biggest hits by the yeah, band? Absolutely. Oh, I'm sorry, we don't have it. Yeah. And it's like, well, what fucking happened? Some somewhere, somebody did something, pissed somebody off, and they just that was. I think Kiss cut them off because they had a song called Rock Bottom. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there was something that happened. They pissed off in industry. Well, I know that there was there was turmoil between the the singer and Michael. Yeah, Phil Bach. That's t- yeah, between the yeah, two Schenker different left times and, uh, Yeah, after, he came back and then yeah. left again. After the live album, I think, yeah. around 78, he quit and yeah. went and did his own thing. Actually, he rejoined Scorpions for a short mm-hmm. period. Uh, he did four I or five songs on the Love Drive album. My first, my first concert, he was playing. See, guitar. I don't remember. I, yeah. I don't know, because I saw uh, U- um, Scorpions, and AC, it was ACDC and Scorpions, and then uh, Ted Nugent. And I don't know, I was probably too high at the time. I don't know <laughs> I've if heard that Michael before. was on the stage or not, to be honest. I don't recall. Drunk at the time. Because no. he, he was only with them for a short period. He did four or five songs. He toured for a while. And then problems resurfaced. Yeah. And then was there anybody up on the stage with a black and white checkerboard guitar? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. I was pretty hard. <laughs> that, that, that would have been Michael It was Shaker. all black and white back then. Yeah, everything was black. No, Michael Schenker had a very specific I mean, yeah. design, his, just like Eddie Van Halen has his lines yeah. and stripes. His and dean. He had his dean yeah. be with I wasn't a guitar player at the time, though. I was just a, yeah. a music lover, so I, yep. I didn't pay that much attention to what instrument they were playing. I understand that. I, I had the same problem with bass players. But I, <laughs> I don't know what they're playing. I heard a joke today. It said, what do you call a bass player with a hot chick on his arm? A tattooed. <laughs> <laughs> What do you guys think about uh, these bands uh, restructuring and bringing in different people to fill in certain spots? Like the old old bands trying to keep themselves alive by bringing in Well, kind of like Korn got rid of, uh, what was that, David Saltana, what was his name? Um, The drummer. Oh, 
Yeah, they brought in uh, Ray Luzier. Ray Luzier. Ray Luzier is good. Oh, I love he's, him, but he's a beast. He's I a beast. Fucking, I, I liked it. The only, yeah, the original guy was good. I don't know. I don't know what the story is why Ray came. Well, they also in. Had the I don't know what happened to that guy. I mean, they had a phone out. Yeah, well, that just happened. Well, there was a there was a religious aspect to the guitar player that left at one point. Yeah, uh, monkey head. Yeah. No, or is it head? Head, head, head uh, got really <laughs> yeah, religious. really religious. But yeah. he came back. Then he yeah. came back. Yeah. When I saw him in uh, Bakersfield, and <laughs> he, he, he got like, over it. Yeah, he got. Well, over he's, it. <laughs> he's still really religious, still religious, but he, but he, he got over it. For a couple of years, he went out to do uh, something in Africa. I think uh, he went out mm-hmm. to go do some. Whatever work out there, yeah. But he came back to the band, and yeah, they they brought him back in. They were yeah. That's yeah. Rage. I saw him. He was with them. Rage Against right. the Machine, the yeah. singer for them. He he got real religious real quick, and that's when they first stopped. Yeah. But yeah. Mm. What band did they turn into? The Audio Slave. There you go. Uh, um, they were very good. That's with uh, Rage Cornell. Against the Machine. Cornell kind of turned into yeah. Audio Slave the, with Cornell. The band. Mm-hmm. Minus the singer mm-hmm. and Chris Cornell came yeah. together and became Audio Slave. Oh, yeah. They're really good yeah. too. They were. I really like good. that. Yeah. Audio Slave. Yeah. Slave yeah. Is fantastic. Oh yeah, they're great. Yeah. yeah. Um, good shit. What's his name? Uh, there's their guitar player. Um, oh my God. Uh, uh, Tommy Morello. Morello. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. He's another guy who's very unique. He's unique. Yeah. Very unique sounding yeah. guitar player. He, he's yeah. not like a lot of other guitar players. No. He, he, he from what I, I, sound. I know, but his bass influence was off of a lot of rap stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you can you hear, hear it in his guitar playing. scratchy shit. scratchy stuff. was scratchy stuff. He was, imp- he was trying to make it sound like somebody was scratching a record right. when he did that. Right. And he was really good at it. He was well, really he also good. had a... He, Installed a momentary contact button so he could, mm, mm-hmm. where, whereas like Van Halen did with the uh, switch. Yeah. I saw him doing it with his switch yeah. when I was watching. He had a he had a re- it had to have been a really good one because he was all over it. I mean he was it's actually become quite popular. John Five does the same thing now. Does he? John Five's great guitar. Player. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen he, that's an interesting story. We know now what an amazing guitar player John Five is, mm. but when at one point nobody knew who the hell he was. When he was playing for uh, <laughs> Rob Merrill Manson. Yeah. Merrill oh, Manson. Oh. Then he went with Rob Zombie. And Rob Zombie. Yeah. Yeah. And he I was, saw him with Rob Zombie. He was a professional musician doing was, what? Was the, he Maroon 5 or no? It was kind of a hired yeah. gun for a yeah, while. Yeah, literally. And yeah. and he played exactly what they wanted. It was very minimal. Yeah. And he was like, uh, okay, John Five, who's that guy? I don't know. He does... And then all of a sudden he came out and started jamming and showing all this... Freaking incredible yeah, techniques yeah. and shit. Yeah, Everybody's like, holy cow, he's really yeah. he's good. Yeah, a lot of people tone things down just to keep people pleased. Well, I mean, I you're, like it. you're paid to, to <laughs> perform what yeah. I want you to perform. Yeah. You're going to do that. That sounds yeah, like... Yeah, play for whatever song you're playing. It sounds it was like the guy it. from The Police. I can't remember his name, but... Uh, I mean, that poor bastard had to be bored out of his freaking mind. He was Which one? The, the drummer or the guitar, guitar player. player? Oh, Andy Summers? Sam yeah. Summers, yeah. yeah. He was, he's he's really good. He's a really good guitar player, yeah. but for most most of the songs of The Police, it was just... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Message in a Bottle... Mm-hmm. The the I I saw a, a person talking about that particular song, and I, and he basically showed people how he played that, and it's not easy. It's tiring. Yeah, it, it's it's I, I taxing. It, yeah. Yeah. Definitely, because you're repeating that same page. Yes, it's over very and it's, over it's, and over. But the the fingering is pretty 
It's pretty special. Oh, what, what's the other song? Um, not Roxanne. About, no, not Roxanne. <laughs> not Roxanne. That's got, cool, that's got a cool little upstroke reggae yeah. pattern to it. But, yeah. Um, the one, uh, the watching you one, um, Every Breath You uh, Take. Every Breath You Take, yeah. Every Breath You Take. That, that's got an interesting little chord pattern to it. Yeah, it I does. Didn't, it I didn't does. say there was anything wrong with yeah. music. I'm just yeah. saying that he was definitely toned well, down. We're finding and, the good of the bad. And a lot of the things <laughs> he had to play as part of his job yeah. was very, very basic. But yeah, no, no, we're just agreeing with you yeah. about mm-hmm. how good a guitar player he is. But I believe it. <laughs> when he does come out of the shadow, it's like, oh, shit, the guy can actually play. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Let's take a pause real quick. Okay. okay. This was such a great episode that I had to split it up into two parts. You can catch part two on my website. Thank you very much.